We're in a, in a series called Family Meeting, and this is the last week of that series, and we're having a family talk. A family talk. It's a time to be real. It's a time to be raw and talk about what matters. It's a time to be challenged. Amen. Sometimes we need to be challenged so we can change. Aren't you grateful that you can be challenged by the Word of God? I am so grateful for that because when God challenges us, we can change and become more like Jesus. But we're talking in this series about how to be a healthy member of a church family. So whether or not this is your home church, the things that we're talking about are gonna equip you to be a healthy, functioning church family member. So wherever you go to church for the rest of your days, we want you to be a fully developing follower of Jesus Christ. You're not gonna be perfect, but you're fully developing, amen? We're all a work in progress, but we're fully developing. But I think that it's good once you decide that this is your home church to become a part of the family, to really jump in and to be all in, to be a fully functioning family member. And being a member is not like being a country club member, right? It's not like where you pay your dues and then you, you have rights and privileges, right? Being a family member is more about responsibility, isn't it? Being a family member is more about taking out the trash and crying together and being there when people are throwing up in your family and sick and helping out. That's what a family member does. They help out. And that's what we've been talking about. Like a family comes together for a purpose. And I need you to think about this in terms of family. When it comes to family, you didn't choose your family. They chose you. Some of you are like, I definitely didn't choose my family. Definitely didn't. But here's the thing, when it comes to your church family, it's the same. If you're calling this your church home, you didn't choose this church. God chose you for this church. You realize that? Jesus said, I will build my church. And the Holy Spirit of God has deposited inside of you a unique spiritual gift. And it's not for your own enjoyment, but to benefit the body of Christ. And he is assembling his body. He's building his church. And so he's bringing people together from across the country and across the state. And he's forming us together as one church with many unique gifts that we would be strong and healthy and obedient to him. You're here for a purpose. You know that you have a gift to share with the body of Christ. And, and you do that when you show up, like we talked about. You share the gift of your presence. When you serve, you share the gift of your energy and your time. When you give, you share the gift of your resources. When you live according to God's word, you share the gift of honor for God and honor for his people. And I want to talk tonight about the last thing in this series. This is the fifth week of the last week. And this has been like a giant membership class. But tonight I want to talk about the family mission. The family mission. Being a church member has benefits, but it's not just about the benefits. We are a family on a mission. We have a mission. I grew up as a young army officer, and when I would go out on missions, I'd have to give mission briefings and tell my, my soldiers about the purpose, the objective for our mission, so that they knew if anything happened to me, they could continue forward and carry out the mission. And we need to know the mission. When Jesus rose from the dead, before he ascended back into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father, he left his disciples with the mission statement. You know that? Matthew 28, here's what it says. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, 
I am with you always, even to the end of the age, even in 2020, even in the midst of a virus, I'm with you always, amen? So notice this passage, let me point this out. I have been given, Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth. He was just reminding us, who's the man? I'm the man. Jesus is the king. He's the great commander. He's the one who sets the mission, amen? He's telling all of us forever, just so we would know, it's not a democracy, he's the boss. Therefore, go and make disciples. He's like, here's your mission, should you choose to accept it. Go and make disciples. That's the great commission, it's our great co-mission. We're on this mission together. So, boiling this down to the fewest words that I can use, our mission is to help people find and follow Jesus. That's our mission. We want people to find Jesus. We want them to follow Jesus. We're here to help them. How many of you say, I once was lost, but now I'm found? Anybody here tonight? You say, I once was lost, but now I'm found. We want to help other people find Jesus. And then once you find him, you got to follow him. It's a journey following Jesus. Sometimes it's a hard journey, right? And sometimes you need help. We're here to help you follow Jesus. That's what it means to be a disciple. It's a Christ follower. We're, we're following him together. That's our mission. And if you become a member of this church, you're committing to join us on this mission. A, mission, a mission. a member says this, I commit to personally participate in the mission to reach people far from God so that they can experience new life in Jesus. That's a membership commitment right there. And I want to point out, it says, I personally will participate. Let me just emphasize this personally participate. Because like there are some times when, when people are like, we're going to go and we're going to reach lost people. And Christians will sit back like, yeah, that's nice. We should do that. I don't, I don't mean like golf clap from the sidelines. I'm saying personally participate. You're supposed to be a part of this. Personally. Am I getting that point across? Yeah, how do you do that? Well, you do the things we talked about in this series. You show up. One of the membership commitments is to attend church. And every week when we gather together, just showing up helps us accomplish our mission. Because you realize like every time we gather together, every gathering, there are always people in that gathering who are not yet followers of Jesus. Right, right now, there are prob there's probably someone in this room who's not yet a follower of Jesus. Someone got dragged to church tonight against his or her will. You got bribes to come to church. And when, when we show up as Christians, we're helping lost people find Jesus just by being here. Because imagine if, if lost people showed up and none of us were here. Right? right? Like if, if you have a casual attitude about attending church, that does not help lost people find Jesus. And we live in a culture today that is sometimes too casual about church attendance. Like, well, if there's, you know, no football on TV and if the weather's not that nice, maybe I'll go to church, you know, like free air conditioning. Why not? Especially in Arizona. <laughs> right. But, but what does that say? That tells lost people that this doesn't really matter. I just do this when I have nothing better to do. That's not this church. Amen. We're participating by showing up. And then we help by serving. When we serve, it's not just so that we feel good about ourselves. That's not why we serve. We serve to show love to people because Jesus first served us. And we serve because 
any given Sunday, that could be the one day that a lost brother or sister comes in lost but leaves found, right? Any given Sunday, right, there's people that come into this church. Grandma's been praying for 15 years that her grandson would one day accept Jesus, and this is that one day. So when you're serving on the welcome team or in the nursery or wherever, right, that's to help someone have that one day encounter with Jesus Christ that changes their life and changes their family and changes their kids' kids. That's why we serve. And then we help by giving. And that's something that every Christian is called to do is to give, not just to honor God. That's the main reason we give to honor God, but also to fund the mission. Your tithes and offerings fund the mission to seek and save the lost. We cannot do this without God's people giving. And I think about how during World War II, Americans, they gave and they sacrificed for the war effort. You know, it was an important battle against evil. But today, we actually are in a greater battle against a greater evil. Fighting against the forces of darkness to seek and save the lost. And we help when we live according to God's word. That's what we talked about last week. We said, read the Bible and do what it says. Amen, anybody? Amen? It's pretty simple. If you only listen to one thing I said all month, just read the Bible and do what it says. You know how that helps? Because when you read the Bible yourself, you become a self-feeder. I'm really good at feeding myself. Amen? You can tell. But sometimes we don't do good at feeding ourselves spiritually. And you come to church starved because you haven't fed yourself all week. And let's, let's be honest, if you do that by Friday and Saturday, you're going to be feeling pretty famished. But if you'll feed yourself the word of God throughout the week, you'll find it makes you stronger. It nourishes your spirit. It's gonna equip you to do what God's called you to do. When you read the Bible and do, do what it says, just by doing what it says, that means God's gonna bless you and he'll be able to use you. Because God can't use you if you're not doing what his word says. I'm just telling you. So help us with this and join in the mission. When you join in the, the mission like this, you're giving your church another gift. It's the gift of unity. God's word says, behold, how good and pleasant it is when his people dwell together in unity. Unity. We have to have unity because that makes us powerful. Unity makes us powerful. So a principle of war. Do we have any veterans in the house tonight? Any veterans? Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, so here's a principle of war strategy. It's called mass. And it's defined as this, to concentrate the effects of combat power at the most advantageous place and time to achieve decisive results. What this means is that if you spread your forces out too thin, they'll be overwhelmed and defeated. But if you mass them together at the right place, they can achieve decisive results. This is a principle of war and strategy, but this applies to the church and the kingdom of God and spiritual warfare. If the church has all these different missions and objectives and we're distracted and we're bouncing all over the place and we're unfocused, we'll be doing a lot, but we won't be accomplishing a lot. On any given Sunday at Generation Church right now, about 2,600 people attend this church in person. Imagine if we had everyone doing their own thing, their own mission. We'd have 2,600 people doing 2,600 different things Working hard, doing a lot, but not accomplishing a lot. But if you get 2,600 people doing one thing, that's powerful. That makes a difference. That makes an impact. 
That's why we have to be unified behind the same mission, to help people find and follow Jesus. And we have a lot of little ministries and little, little areas of the church and life groups and, and things that we do that are all good, but they all go back to this, help people find and follow Jesus. That's why, that's why. We want people far from God to experience new life in Jesus. That's why we do everything that we do. And we're focused on this. Because without focus, your power gets diluted. We become weak, but we're focused. This is the, the main thing. And, and this is an important principle for your life because at any given point in your life, there are a lot of good things that you could do, but you have to stay focused on the main thing that you must do. There's, one main, there's a main thing that you must do. And so you have to force yourself and discipline yourself to focus on the main thing. Always keep in mind that for our church family, this is the main thing. Help people find and follow Jesus. That's the main thing. Amen? Amen. In Habakkuk chapter two, it says, the Lord answered me and said, record the vision and inscribe it on the tablets that the one who reads it may run. God gave vision and he instructed his servant to inscribe it and make it clear, it says in another translation. It's gotta be clear so that when, when we read it, we can run. So I want you to understand the vision of our church. The mission is clear. Jesus set the mission. The vision is what it will look like, what it will look like at Generation Church. And we have to know the mission and be united in one vision. Because multiple visions, two visions equals division. Any, amen, anybody? Like, have you ever been a part of a family where you got two visions and there's division? Or a church family where you got a lot of different visions for how things should look and, and it's kind of like there's division. But one vision brings momentum and power. So here's... Here's the vision for Generation Church. I'll tell you what it looks like. I see a church full of found people rescuing lost people. That's what it looks like. We got a lot of found people here tonight and our mission, what it looks like, we're gonna be rescuing lost people and it will help you to start thinking about this like a rescue mission. Right? That's, that's a good way to think about this whole thing. We're here to rescue. During World War II, there were over six million Jews that were killed in concentration camps and the allies liberated them from these concentration camps. And we look back on that history and we see that it was a tragedy. It was a terrible tragedy. But you know what's even more tragic is in the world today, conservatively, there are over four billion people on what the Bible calls the broad highway to hell. And hell is a place of eternal suffering with no hope, no forgiveness, no peace, no relief. So we are on a rescue mission to seek and save these people. Where do we get that from? Well, from Jesus. Jesus said in Luke 19, he says that the son of man, Jesus often called himself the son of man, came to seek and save those who are lost. This is Jesus' reason for coming into this world. It wasn't just to start another religion. We didn't need another religion. It wasn't just to preach a great sermon. It was to seek and save those who are lost. The only reason we're here right now is because Jesus entered this world on the greatest rescue mission that's ever been launched. He came to seek and save the lost. That's why, that's why he came and that's why we are going to help people find and follow Jesus. It's important to keep that perspective that we're here to seek and save the lost. Amen? 
Because otherwise we can get focused inward on ourselves and churches sometimes get focused inward and it becomes stagnant and it becomes selfish and, and you can get your holy huddle life group together, you know, and it's like us four and no more. We're good. We like it the way it is. Us three, let it be, right? Us two, that'll do. Like we don't need anyone else coming up in here, messing up our vibes. It's cozy. It's safe. I don't want new people coming up in here and sitting in my seat. That's not this church. This is a church that says, man, we're here to seek and save the lost because that's what Jesus cares about. We're dedicated to that rescue mission. Here's how you can make it personal. It's gotta be personal. It starts with prayer. Prayer is very personal. And here's what I'm challenging every single person in our church family to do. And I want you to go home and challenge your kids to join you in this. To make a list of three names people in Arizona who are lost, who need Jesus Christ. Three names of people who are lost, who need Jesus Christ. And you're like, well, I know people outside of Arizona who need Jesus. You can add them to your list. You can have 20 people on your list, 30 people. There's no limits. But my challenge is to have three people in Arizona because you need to have a heart for your own community. We need to pray for people in our community to seek uh, to, to find Jesus and to experience new life in him. And so as you start to pray for people, you're gonna find that what happens is it becomes personal for you. And you're gonna start to see people in a different light. Let's be honest, sometimes we can go through life and we can kind of just get tunnel vision on what we're doing. And we'll lose sight of all the lost people around us who need Jesus. And by praying for lost people, you're gonna start to have eyes that see people who need him. And you're gonna notice that God starts to open up doors and windows of opportunity to speak truth into people's lives and to encourage people and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then you can do this other thing. This makes it personal as well. Invite people to come to church with you. It's that simple. Just say this, like, hey, do you wanna to come to church with me? You can, it's easy today, too. You can tell them, just go to our church's website, generation.church, check it out. You can, like, snoop around and make sure it's not a cult or anything weird like that. And then you can come with me, right? And then, and then do this, repeat after me. Say, sit with me. Say, sit with me. Okay, good, good. Then you can say this. Hey, and then come on and sit with me. I'll save you a seat. I'll save you a seat. Sit with me. Because people sometimes are intimidated to come to church. You're intimidated to invite them, and they're intimidated to accept the invitation. But we got to invite people. we got to go outside of our comfort zone. Aren't you grateful that Jesus was willing to come and seek and save the lost, even though it caused him to be persecuted, even though people despised him for it? Well, guess what? When you invite people to church, the worst thing that's going to happen to you is they're going to say no. And you're going to feel awkward for like 10 seconds. But then you're going to feel good because you know that you're obedient and you're pursuing this mission. Right, and God's gonna use you. You just keep inviting people. Okay, come, come to church with me. Come and sit with me. You know God's gonna use that. And then here's the thing. We don't sit around waiting for people to find Jesus. We help them find Jesus in multiple ways. One of the things we do is we support missionaries all around the, the world. So for those of you who give to kingdom builders above and beyond your tithes, you need to know this, that that extra giving, every month we fund dozens and dozens of missionaries with support so that they can be in other countries preaching the gospel in other languages, to other cultures, to places that we probably won't ever be able to go. And they face danger and persecution. But we're a part of that. We're making a difference in Arizona and across the globe. 
So we support missionaries. We support church planting. We've helped start churches in Arizona that have different names, and are, but we're, we're supporting them. We've, we've backed them so they could get started and become healthy. And we're dedicated to planting more generation church locations across the valley. So we're coming for Phoenix and Scottsdale and Tucson and all, all, all over the place. If you're watching online on the other side of the valley right now, we're coming for you in Jesus' name. But we gotta stay mindful of our mission. We're found people who are seeking to rescue lost people. And I'm encouraging you tonight that, here's the thing. Sometimes we get too focused on ourselves. Am I the only one? When we get focused on ourselves, it leads to anxiety and depression and insecurity. When you focus too much on yourself and start to, start to put everything through this filter like, well, how does this affect me? How does this make me feel? What does this mean about me? What are people gonna think about me? What are people gonna say about me? Am I gonna be happy? Am I gonna be satisfied? It's like, I, 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 me, 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 me. And when you go down that road, it leads to a place of depression and anxiety and insecurity. When you focus on others, it leads to a place of peace and purpose and fulfillment. So keep in mind, while we're here, it's to rescue lost people. And then here's the next part of this. I see a church that sacrifices for the next generation. At Generation Church, we love kids and we care about kids and youth and we have the best kids ministry anywhere. I believe it. Like we have the best youth ministry anywhere because we care about the next generation of young people. We know that they matter and families sacrifice for the next generation. Amen, parents? All the parents know that's why you get up in the middle of the night. That's why you change dirty diapers. That's why you drive kids to soccer practice. That's why you watch Blue's Clues. Because your kids, they, they are special to you. And you love them. And so you sacrifice your own preferences to show them that you love them. That's what families do. And that's what church families do. A sacrifice is defined as an act of giving up something valued for the sake of something else regarded as more important or worthy. So to sacrifice for the next generation, it does require giving, giving up time, talents, treasures, things that are valuable to you. But it's for the purpose of something or someone who is more important or worthy. People are important to God. People are more important than our treasure and our time. People are the most important. That's why God sent his son Jesus into this world because people were important to him and they're worthy of God's love and they're worthy of knowing the truth. That's why we're here because they matter. People matter. That's what it means that, to, that they're worthy. They matter. And so that's what we're thinking of. We're thinking of the next generation. And I, I kind of thought about how the Bible tends to count generations in 30-year chunks. That means that there's been about 67 generations of Christians since Jesus walked on the earth till today. And none of us would be here unless generation one sacrificed for generation two and generation 23 sacrificed for generation 24 and generation 60 sacrificed for generation 61. And here we are today and we only know Jesus today because people who came before us sacrificed for us. And we've got to be willing to sacrifice for those who are coming after us. A lot of Christians do a good job talking about they care about the next generation, but they're not always willing to sacrifice and give up what's valued to them. And that means sacrificing our own preferences even. Like I've been in church a long time. And when I look back 30 years on how church used to be, like some of you know, like church used to be different. You know, Some of you grew up in different churches. 
And some things you don't miss, but some things you do miss. Like some things were special and they impacted you. And you might look back and be like, I mean, I miss the way that we used to do some things. But here's the thing. Over time, the methods of Christianity change. But the message stays the same. The methods of ministry change. But the message that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him, that stays the same. And we're always willing to adapt the methods, never willing to change the message, always willing to adapt the methods. And that means that over time, things are going to look different than they look right now. If you came to church right now because you love the way it is, like it might not look like this in 30 years. Because we're willing to adapt the methods to reach the next generation. You know, we're going to sing some songs that are weird if that's what reaches the next generation. We'll do whatever it takes. As long as it's not a sin, we'll do whatever it takes to reach the next generation. We care about kids. We care about students. In Psalm 71, verse 18, it says, Now that I am old and gray, do not abandon me, O God. Amen. Any old and gray people here tonight? Yeah, be proud of that. Don't be embarrassed, right? That, that gray hair is a crown of glory. I can't wait till I have gray hair. I'm not gonna get no just for men gel. I love, I mean, I love me some gray hair. But man, you get older and your hair starts falling out up here, it starts growing out of your ears, and you're like, do not abandon me, oh God. Do not abandon me. But then it says this, let me proclaim your power to this new generation, your mighty miracles to all who come after me. So as you gain maturity and experience and wisdom, right, God has equipped you with those resources for the purpose of proclaiming his power to this new generation. He wants you to help school and raise up the next generation, all who come after you, that they would know God and his mighty miracles, his working power that he saves. That's why you're here, to reach those who come after you. That means that we're going to have to be willing to sacrifice. That means we're going to have to use every tool at our disposal. Technology, and I know technology feels sacrilegious to some Christians. Like, they're skeptical of technology. Like, I don't trust it. It's not sanctified if it's technological. But we're willing to, we're willing to use whatever, right? Like, internet, online, video, live stream, whatever it takes. Some Christians are, like, anti-video and live stream today, and they're like, I don't like that video stuff. Let me tell you this. Just get over it. You're like, I don't like that video. Sometimes, you got to hear this, just get over it. Because God's using it. He's using it, and it's letting us reach more people around the city and around the world. I'm grateful for technology. It would be stupid if God gave us technology and we refused to use it to seek lost people out and help them find Jesus. Amen. So we'll do whatever it takes. And then here's the last thing. I see a church moving in the power of the Holy Spirit. This is so important because all these things that we want to accomplish are only possible in the power of the Holy Spirit. The best sermon won't change anyone. The greatest worship music can't change anyone. The most intelligent church strategy can't accomplish anything. But the power of the Holy Spirit makes everything possible. One moment in God's presence can change anyone. Even the hardest heart can soften in the presence of God. So we need the power of the Holy Spirit working in us and through us. In Exodus 33, the Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. 
How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? Moses was smart. He was experienced as a leader, but he knew that unless God's presence goes with us, it's hopeless. All these things that we want to accomplish for God are good, but unless God goes with us, there's no chance. That's our prayer today. Like, God, we want to do whatever you've called us to do. We want to reach lost people. But if your presence isn't going to go with us, we don't want to go up from here. But we know God said, my presence is with you. And we know that God's presence is here in Generation Church. Every time we gather, man, we feel the presence of God. We see the results of the presence of God. You know, the number one fruit of God's presence is that lives are changed. People are changed and they find hope. They find salvation, that they break free from addiction and depression and bondage. All this is possible because when two or three gather, the spirit of God is here among us. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom, there's power, there's liberty and rejoicing and victory and healing. We know that God is here in this place even right now. And so we sit in his presence and we're changed by him. It changes what we see. It changes what we seek. We hear him speak to our hearts. We hear him lead leading us and guiding us. And we say, yes, Lord, go before us. Make a way, God. Open up doors, soften hearts. Give us the words to say, we want your presence in us. We want your presence moving through us. We sing a song in our church. It says, come Holy Spirit, dry bones awaken. It's one of the lines in this song. Come, Holy Spirit, dry bones awaken. And whenever we sing that song, we sing dry bones awaken. It's referring to the vision of Ezekiel 37. But I always think about Christians when we sing that song. I can't help it. I think about Christians who are saved and they know Jesus, but in their spirits, they're dry. You can be a Christian and be spiritually dry. There could be some of you here tonight you're saved, you're going to heaven, you know the truth, but you would say, in my heart, I feel dry. Spiritually, I feel dry. I believe in God, but I don't feel anything for God. I wanna be used by God, but I'm too scared to step out. You need the Holy Spirit to come and put some muscle on those bones. You need the Holy Spirit to come and pour out his healing rain on your heart. We pray for the God's spirit to come in this place and fill us up. There are a lot of churches today that read the word of God, but they resist the spirit of God because the Holy Spirit makes them nervous. A lot of Christians today, they're, they're nervous about the Holy Spirit. They treat him like the crazy uncle of God's family. I know we have to love him, but he makes me nervous. And so they're like, well, keep your distance, right? But that's, that's not the way it is. The spirit of God is the spirit of Jesus. He loves you. He's for you. He's your comforter. He's your protector. He's your counselor. He's your healer. He guides you. He leads you. He equips you. He is your friend. That's the spirit. And we want the spirit of God to fill this church and we want the spirit of God to fill your family. We want him to fill you up personally. Because you need him. You need him in order to do what God has called you to do. Nothing changes without the power and presence of God. I realized when I first became a pastor how much I needed the Holy Spirit's help. Because before there was a part of me that was resistant to some things of the Holy Spirit. You know, because the Holy Spirit can be hard to qualify and 
classify and explain. And anybody here, type A personality, you know, type A personalities, you want to you chart for everything and you want a manual. You want to know, like, here's how the Holy Spirit works. Well, you can't really explain him or contain him because he is supernatural and he exceeds our ability to understand, which is a good thing. That proves that he is God. He does things that are supernatural that we can't always wrap our minds around in the natural, but that's okay because he is God. He's good. And so we have to sometimes just surrender our own need to understand. And we need to trust the word of God, which says the spirit is a gift. Jesus said, I will not leave you. I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. You know how he accomplishes that? Through his spirit. His spirit is inside of you and and it's in this place. His spirit is here. We need him. We have to open ourselves up to him and allow him to fill us up. Look at Acts chapter 4. It says, now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And it says, after this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. All right, I love this passage. Here's what, here's what this shows us, right? These were Christians. They were already followers of Jesus. They were scared because Peter and John had been arrested for preaching the gospel. And when they were, they were scared, they got together and they started praying and they asked for God's power to help them. They asked for miracles. They asked for signs and wonders. That's one way of saying just miracles. And it says that after this, the place shook, not because the construction was bad, but because the presence of God filled that place. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They were already Christians, but then they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Some of them had already been filled in Acts chapter two, but they were refilled with the Holy Spirit. What that means is that each and every one of you who's a believer in Jesus, the Spirit of God dwells inside of you already. But sometimes you have to be filled and refilled with the Holy Spirit in order to have the boldness that you need to preach the word of God. You need the power of the Holy Spirit to have the boldness you need to do what God has called you to do. In your own strength, you cannot do what God has called you to do. In your own power, you cannot accomplish what he has called you to do. But in the power of the Holy Spirit, nothing is impossible. We know that through Christ, we can accomplish all things. His power moving through us. And there are some of you who are here tonight who are trying to do too much in your own strength. And that's why you feel overwhelmed. That's why you feel like you're not enough. Well, here's the thing, we're not enough. We need the Holy Spirit to fill us up. His power is what gives us the strength we need to go forward and to do what he's called us to do. So this has gotta be a church filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, moving in the power of the Holy Spirit. We wanna see God's miraculous signs and wonders happening even today. We wanna see people healed. We wanna see prophecy. We wanna see tongues. We wanna see signs and wonders happening today. We wanna see young men having visions and old men dreaming dreams. God said, I'm gonna pour out my spirit in the last days so that all people can know, right? We want to see this happening today, and I believe it's going to happen. So that's our prayer. God, fill us with your spirit. Fill us with your power. Lord, fill our homes, fill our church, fill us up personally. We want more of you in our lives. We ask that you would fill us with your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me close with this. All the things that we do in our lives all the things that we spend our time on and our talent and our treasure, all these things 
will eventually fade away except this. The only thing you can do that will matter for eternity, help people find and follow Jesus. Amen? It's important to keep this in perspective. And don't get me wrong, a lot of the things that, that we're doing, they're, we're, they're good, our work is good, it's noble, raising our kids, all these things, being a part of your community, all these things are good. But a lot of these things, they will fade away. Our businesses will fade away, nations will fade away, this world will even fade away and be replaced by a new world, the Bible says. But, but the thing that will matter still 100,000 years from now when you're in God's presence is helping people find and follow Jesus right now because these souls that are saved will be there in heaven with you, worshiping and celebrating and victorious for eternity. A million years, a billion years from now, this will still matter, helping people find and follow Jesus, amen? We gotta keep that perspective. And I feel called to sometimes remind our church of this eternal perspective because we can get too focused on things that won't matter even tomorrow let alone a thousand years from now. Sometimes it's good to remind yourself, is this gonna matter next week? Am I worrying about things that aren't gonna matter in 20 years, in a hundred years, in a thousand years? Now I'm getting an eternal perspective. In a hundred thousand years? And that brings us back to what matters still, people, people who are far from God. When you help people find and follow Jesus, whether it's your kids or your neighbors or your coworkers, that's gonna matter for eternity. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna close with this. As we wrap up this series, our team's gonna come and pass out these scriptural membership cards. And I'm not expecting that every single person in our church is ready to make this level of commitment. This is what fully developing followers of Jesus do. And some people are at different places on their faith journey and they're like, man, I'm still struggling with some of these things. So if that's you, that's okay. You can still come to church here. We love you. We're gonna welcome you. We want you to be here. Um, we support you. But if you're ready to be a church member, like I'm all in, you can count on me. I'm with you. I'm behind this mission. Here's what you're saying. It says on this card, you can read it. But it says, I'm gonna commit to regularly attend church and prioritize that. I'm gonna serve as a reflection of how Jesus has served me. I commit to tithe the first 10% of my income in alignment with scripture. And that's an important part of this. And then I'm gonna live according to God's word. Members are saying, I'm gonna live according to God's standard and I even wanna be held accountable. I want you to hold me accountable. And then mission, I'm gonna personally participate in the mission. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray for lost people. I'm gonna invite them to church. I'm gonna make that mission my mission because I know it's the mission of Jesus Christ. So if you're ready to take that step, let me know, like let me know, I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm a part of this church. It's my family, and I'm going to move forward into the future helping people find and follow Jesus. What you do is just fill out the bottom part, tear it off, and you can put it in the offering container. Just put, out, put on here the names of any of the adults in your family. I think it's important for each person to commit to this as they feel led. And if you want to take it home and pray about it or think about it, you can do that. If you have questions, we're here. And, and then I will point out, in the bulletin, there is a sheet that has some of those essential biblical positions as, as mentioned on here. But we believe that God's gonna do a great thing in the future of this church and the people who are here right now, God wants to bring to the core and use to bring in the harvest. The harvest is plentiful, Jesus said, but the workers are few. So pray for the Lord, send workers into the fields. This is our field. 
So we're praying that God's brought you here for this purpose, to help bring in the harvest of souls. So I'm going to pray for our offering, and you can put that card in the offering, um, and then we're going to take time to celebrate and to, to leave in an attitude of worship. So let's pray. God, we thank you for this time to gather, and then we thank you for this opportunity to worship through our giving of tithes and offerings, and we know that everything we have comes from you and belongs to you, so we pray that you'll bless the giver, God, and then use this gift, multiply it to reach this community and this world, Lord, with the good news of Jesus Christ. We know that it's for your glory, you're good, and you're faithful. In Jesus' name, amen.